The following podcast contains strong language and frank discussions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Good morning, everyone. Hello, Hello. Murder Amongst Friends friends. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, Michael. We're back. We're back. Gizzle back. Michael back. Tell over. This has been a uh, hell of a week for Murdoch. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you speaking about Alec Murdoch? <laughs> Mr. Murdoch. Mr. Murdoch, as his defense team called him on the stand. Like, I get it with the down-home country boy, like boys club, let me accentuate this soda. Hey, Alec yeah. Murdoch. <laughs> but, like, shucks. you literally called him Mr. Murdoch. <laughs> like, maybe tone down the good old boy yeah. shtick. Enunciate. Right? Ever briefly. Maybe just say Murdaw. Yeah. Somebody called him Murdo. <laughs> put a little, pull zhuzh on that. <laughs> a little real, real deep south there. Creole, even. <laughs> Murdo. Then uh, what? Mur- Murdoch, which he Murdoch, pronounced yeah. it himself. My name's Alec Murdoch. Well, he, he says Murdoch a lot. Like ick. Yeah. Murdoch. Yeah, ick is right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 ick is right, Michael. But between... Uh, him testifying in his own defense, as well as the Netflix documentary that Oof. kind of puts everything up till now together in a mm. in a nice neat timeline <laughs> of of dead bodies and and other untoward events. Uh, not been a a great great week for him. It has not been a great week for him nor his family. But let me ask you this: I I mean, obviously he's guilty, but like, <laughs> do you think that he? I don't think he's spry enough or smart enough to have carried two guns, somehow shot them both, and yeah. like did all this. Yeah. So in my in opinion, his head, I think he likes to imagine he is. But. I, yeah, but I think he had someone there with him, yeah. and he was the he was the, either the second shooter or he hired someone to do it. Right. And then when he came upon the scene, that's kind of why he was like freaking out because I right. don't think he really thought about what he would actually come back to. Right. Like, he might have just thought, oh, there's a little bullet hole in his, like, shoulder. And, you know, this kid's brain was laying by his feet. Right. So, I mean, I don't know that he actually pulled the triggers, but he was at least pulled one of the triggers or was there or hired someone. So he's guilty regardless, but. Yes, yes. What do you think? I I agree. And the only thing that worries me, because we've seen mm. juries yeah. Go, go strange directions before. Um, oh, Jay Simpson. <sighs> right. Right. Um, it's just that for the most part, the prosecution really just hammered on the financial crimes and the fact that he's a liar. And, and the fact he's a real shitbag. Yeah. And that he was in the in the vicinity. Right. But because they don't have the weapons, because, you know, there was some other things that weren't done and, and things like that, they haven't yet placed the gun or the mastermind plan yeah. in a, his hands just, enough for a jury to say conclusively. So I just worry that they're going to get stuck on, mm-hmm. okay, well, he was there, but that's not what he's on trial for. Right. So, you know, so I, I just worry that they're going to get bogged down a little bit because the prosecution wasn't able to, and it's because they don't have the weapons, but able to definitively say he pulled the trigger or initiated the plan yeah yeah i mean uh, i I mean i don't think he is innocent all the evidence like i mean he clearly was there either right before it happened or right right as it happened Mm -hmm. or right after it happened i just don't understand what his defense is doing though and i just don't know oh i mean and i'm wondering okay why wouldn't he so obviously he more than likely had someone come like yeah. he you know whatever yeah. uh but i don't know why he wouldn't roll over on someone but the only reason that he wouldn't is because then he would have to admit that he sort of orchestrated the whole thing right. so i think you think he just thinks he's because they don't have his prints on a weapon or any weapons yeah. like he thinks he'll get off because of that and then he doesn't have to roll on these people right. i think i don't even think he's thinking that far that they don't have this, so they mm-hmm. can't get me. I think he's more. I'm Alex. Alec Murdoch. <laughs> I'm gonna get away with it no yeah. matter what. 
I think it's more of a of a narcissism on his part rather than a looking at the the case objectively and being like, yeah, they have nothing on right. me, so I'm going to be fine. Right. Um, but yeah, I questioned why he wasn't giving up whoever the person was, but your explanation makes perfect sense. That's the only thing I can think of. Because it, it, by virtue of doing so, it implicates you. So right. if he thinks he can get away, <clears throat> then obviously he's going to... Yeah, that's, that's the only yeah. thing I can think of, but... He's ugh, yeah. He's so if gross. he does get convicted, we'll yeah. see how fast that that happens. Right. Um, but everybody definitely take a take a gander at the uh, Yoldi documentary on the Netflix. Yeah. Yes, and because this is a little out of the ordinary, he did testify in his own defense and then was cross examined and hmm. all of that. So all that footage is out there and condensed and highlight reels and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to to see somebody try to defend themselves and how the prosecution chooses to uh, un- unravel some of that. I think the prosecution is doing, doing a good job, but I mean, I think they also should have, I don't know that they took the tack of let's pretend we're his defense yeah, and see how we would defend him. Right. And then disprove those tracks of of uh, logic i guess right yeah so that way whatever the defense throws at you you're like "Uh ha! i already walked through that scenario bitch and here's what we came up with like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know that they're doing that so much yeah as relying on like what they do have right their 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 one-two punch of a strategy seems to be attack his credibility at every turn Mm -hmm. and mock the absurdity of every alternative. Right. Because how much did they hammer during the cross-examination that the shooters must have been 12-year-old boys because they were five foot two? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, they okay, couldn't the possibly, of, yeah. You couldn't be laying on the ground in like a sniper yeah. shot or like crouching behind a bush or some yeah. shit. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. The 12-year-old marauders. Right. Uh, the, the prosecutor said multiple times. Right. During, and it forced... Murdoch to say, well, no one said, no one said they were children. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> right. He's, uh, he's not doing great. The best part for me was when the prosecution was like, now who is Paul Paul? Yeah. And he's like, that's what I call my son. And then he's like, have you ever called him that in any of the recorded interviews since that day in June, like two years ago? Have you ever once on record called him Paul Paul or called Maggie like Mags? And he's like, I, I called him that all the time. I don't know that I called him that on any recordings. But it's like, hmm, you're just trying to play it for the jury right now that you guys had such a great relationship. Even though he kind of insulted him a little bit he was like he had his nose and everything he yeah like he's such a, a little nosy detective. little son yeah. of a bitch you know like yeah. ha 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 it's like i don't know that i would like, say that about my my dead child but okay yeah. i don't didn't sound like the best compliment no but hey that whole family is a little bit weird uh the only other quick update that we'll mm-hmm. have is uh back on valentine's day Taylor Shabiznis <laughs> had a competency hearing uh, in in court in Wisconsin, mm. and randomly, nothing seemed to provoke it. It's not like they were changing a plea or the judge was just talking, uh, and suddenly she just lunged at her attorney. Uh, okay, but but Joanne's gonna tell you, you the the real story here, but this is the headline, uh, and. Bailiffs had to to pull her off of her own defense attorney, uh, pull her to the side, well, lean her against okay. the wall. All right, and That's... at one point she says, "What happened?" That you're what being happens? very generous. That's the that's as the headline. is your nature. <laughs> that's the headline. Here's here's what, what actually happened, happened guys. So the judge is talking, and all of a sudden, she just goes, "Ooh!" She jumps up. <laughs> Her picture this, if you will, with me. Put your hands together, almost like you're praying, <laughs> and then sort of take your elbows and nudge, <laughs> like as if you would nudge your best friend. If she was like, "Ooh, look at that guy," and you're like, "Ooh, ooh," <laughs> nudge, nudge. 
She basically nudges her attorney, <laughs> I, faking that she's like hitting him, but you can clearly tell that like contact. I don't even know if even yeah. if she did it, definitely didn't even hurt or anything. It was yeah. like the lamest thing. He kind of just looks at her like, "What are you doing?" He doesn't even stand up out of his chair. By the <laughs> way, he just kind of gently rolls away. And no one in the gallery no one in the gallery up. even makes a move. Yeah. The bailiff comes over because she she stumbles back from the force of the impact, Michael, which was no impact at all. The bailiff lumbers over, grabs her. They lay her on the ground. Another bailiff comes over. They're kind of holding her legs. And then she goes as if to appear out of a fugue state, right? All of a sudden she goes, what happened, right? And they're like, well, you attacked your attorney. And she's like, why you know and they're like uh, yeah no one no one really knows <laughs> like nothing happened and then the attorney is just smirking the whole time yeah if that's not the most scripted most fake i mean put this girl on reality tv yeah. and let's cut the shit well so that footage uh the court kind of security camera footage is online so you can uh, <laughs> definitely watch that and and just make re- up your mind. Ridiculous. Um, She's competent. So let's stop it. Yeah, but that was uh, the case of Taylor Shea business we covered in a much earlier Taylor episode. Uh, yeah, Taylor Shea bullshit. Yeah, where she uh, is on trial currently for uh, decapitating Chad Tyrion and not just cutting off his yeah many head, but also many many body yeah, parts, many many parts, and putting them in many places. Yes. Which we won't go into yeah. again. If you would like to hear the location of all of the body parts, listen to the episode. Right. All right. This week, uh oh, we've got a heavy hitter. That is a another under the radar heavy hitter. Okay. This is the story of Randall Woodfield. I don't. I already don't like it. I already don't like the name. Does the name itself sound familiar, though? No, I just okay. don't like it because okay. it reminds me of, like, Randall Murdoch or Bust <laughs> Murdoch. Like, it just reminds me of one of these names of these, like, white, old white guys that just commit crimes and then just think that they're uh, going to get away with them because, you know what? They usually do. We've covered some real pieces of shit on this show. <laughs> Even among that list, this guy is a real person. Oh, no. <laughs> you might have heard of Woodfield by the moniker The I-5 Killer. But for someone so prolific, he's relatively under I haven't heard. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, I did not hear that. She'll come up later, but uh, Anne Rule wrote the book on him. So I've read about him. Okay, but anyway. okay. <laughs> not to be confused with Anne Rice, which I did Correct. last time that you mentioned Anne Rule. <laughs> yes. yes. Woodfield was born on December 26th, 1950, to an upper middle class family in San Of Oregon. course he is. <laughs> Of course he is with that name. What did I say? Yeah. So I'm going to do And a some... Christmas baby. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do some quick math for okay. it. This means that he was a white male in his 20s on the west coast of America in the 1970s. Okay. So <laughs> you can serial tell killer. where this is going. He's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Woodfield had two older sisters. One went on to become a doctor and the other a lawyer. Blessed. His... Hashtag blessed. Yeah. His upbringing was called stable, and he was even considered popular in high school. Oh, very charismatic? Yeah. Okay. He was athletic and stood out as a football star. Ooh, football. That status would come in handy because starting as far back as junior high school, (laughs) Woodfield exhibited sexually dysfunctional behaviors. His most frequent predilection being exposing himself in public. (laughs) Oh my God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Junior high, depending on where you live, yeah. is either 6, 7, and 8, yeah. or 7, 8, and ninth yeah. grade. Yeah. So you're like 12 yeah, to 14-ish. Yeah. Just <laughs> slanging your way yeah. yep. around town? Yep. No thanks. One incident in high school found Woodfield exposing himself to a group of teenage girls on a bridge and ended with him getting arrested. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say it ended with the girls pushing his ass <laughs> off the bridge. Wouldn't you know it, his football coaches helped conceal the arrest (laughs) to prevent him from being kicked off the team. That's never happened before, Mike. Stop it right now. You're not going to tell me that sports athletes, especially football players, in high school commit crimes against girls, sexually related crimes, and their coaches? 
Yeah. You're going to tell me their coaches help help cover them up? Isn't that bizarre? And that it definitely doesn't trickle on to college sports and then professional sports? We You're might get being there. ludicrous. We might get there with this oh, story. We'll goodness. see. I've never heard anything so <laughs> ridiculous. His parents did force a little Randy into therapy, but it didn't seem to take. Well, therapy in the 70s. Yeah. Woodfield graduated high school and went to Treasure Valley Community College after getting his criminal record totally expunged. He later transferred to Portland State University and played wide receiver on the football team. Uh He was notably part of one other organization on campus. Given his background and what you can guess about his future, since we're talking about Mm -hmm. him on this show, Mm -hmm. any guesses as to what that club could have been? It's got to be some ridiculous is it a public club or is it like some weird secret society it's not a secret society but it would be very uh restrictive in membership it's not like is it it's not like rotc or some crap like that right Nope. oh my god i don't know man he was an active member of the campus crusade for christ an evangelical christian student group (laughs) great great I was going to say like junior NRA club or something like that, but this yeah. is just as bad. Yeah. Or if not worse. You know, his past of slaying and his weighing all over now town. Now he's found God. Yeah. And yeah. clearly his future, since I've already said he's right. known as the I-5 so, killer. So this is just a yeah. cover. Right. Campus okay. crusade Great. Uh, for Christ. Perfect. One of his college coaches described him this way, quote, <laughs> when he was with me, he was the nicest, most gentlemanly kid I ever knew. Oh, when he was in front of your face, you mean? He was quiet and polite, hardworking, and real coachable. Yeah, of course he was. His popularity seemed to wane in college slightly because teammates recall him as, quote, soft-spoken and, quote, kind of a loner, but always referred to him as athletic. Mm-hmm. He might have been kind of a good, loner. You take the bad, Mike. You take them both, and, and there <laughs> you have yeah. facts of life, Mike. Yep. He might have been kind of a loner because despite therapy and his religious commitments, <laughs> Woodfield was still getting arrested. What do you think that Jesus <laughs> would think about you flashing your goods and sundries to ladies unsolicited? Probably not much. What do you think Jesus might feel about that? You know, our 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 Lord and the a Lord and Savior, yeah, let's say one that. Of the, one yeah. of the two thousand lords and saviors of the world, I guess. World religion. In 1970, he was arrested for vandalizing his ex-girlfriend's apartment. And <laughs> so in, t- so mm. just crimes against women. Yeah. Okay. And in 1972, he was again arrested for public indecency in Washington and arrested again for the same thing in 1973 hold on. in Oregon. No, hold, hold. This boy needs to go to church. Yeah. He needs to go to confession. He needs to find God, he, as I thought would he, say. I thought he found God already. Would he lose him again? And now he's... Yeah. You know? Where where did he go? (laughs) Woodfield chose to drop out of school three semesters shy of graduating and miraculously was drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the 17th round of the 428th pick that year. Okay. So not a super hot commodity. Yeah. He signed a contract in February 1974, but was cut during training camp and didn't no, make let me guess. Did he? the final round. <laughs> was roster. he cut because he kept showing his pee-pee to everybody? <laughs> well. Oh, no! <laughs> he did play semi-pro that year for the Manitowoc Chiefs and got a job working for Oshkosh Truck. Oh. Woodfield quickly got out of Wisconsin and moved back to Oregon in late 1974. So he signed a contract in February, and by the end of that year, he was back in Oregon. What is happening? By early 1975, several women in Portland were held up at knife point, forced to perform oral sex, and Dang. robbed of their purses. All right. So he's back in Oregon at the end of 74. At the beginning of 75, he this starts to, happening to women. He needs prayer. This guy, what? <laughs> he found God, but then I guess yeah. God chucked him to the side. Even Mis- God was yeah. like, no, kid, there's nothing we can do for you here. Misplaced him. Just... I misplaced the Lord. Police used female officers as decoys. And oh, on, gotta love that. Yeah. And on March 3rd, 1975, Woodfield was arrested when he was caught with some marked money from one of the undercover operations. So Dummy. he stole some marked bills. Dummy. And, yeah. When he was arrested this time, he confessed, but he had excuses. As they always do. 
he blamed poor sexual impulse control. No, no. Which he claimed was no. the result of steroid use. You wish. <laughs> what was, were you on steroids in sixth grade, sir, when you were 12? <laughs> were you on the, were you on the roids? Were you, were you doing the test when you were like 12, 13, sir? Because you had poor sexual impulse control even then. Well, he was juicing up for the presidential fitness challenge. All right. <laughs> remember those stupid things? First of all, who, what? so what? The president uh, yeah. said, let me see how many pull-ups I can do. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll see if our nation's children can live up to my standards. Yes. I don't know why I'm talking in that accent, but as Jimmy we Carter discussed. Jimmy Carter was president. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Oh, I nailed it. Nailed it, guys. Uh I remember having to do that. You had to like do a crunch and then they're like, see if you can, re- like you had to reach yeah. over yourself to these like lines. And I'm like, who, what are these standards anyway? How is this going to serve me in life? Also, why it am I learning algebra? So I'm not be becoming, a, I'm not, I'm not an engineer. I'm not on a drafting table being like, okay, I need these like precise angles. Why did I need to learn algebra? I need algebra? to know how to do my taxes. I've never. Teach me to do that. Teach me to do my taxes. How about teach me how to bounce a, a checkbook? Yeah. yeah, change a tire. Check my oil, yeah. right? I don't need algebra. Find a man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm going to let that go. No, I'm going to let it go because some people, Mike, have told me. That I get too riled up on the show. I don't want to say that they said I get too riled up. They basically said, ugh, fuck that girl. We hate her. Get her off the show. Let Mike do the show by himself. No. So I'm just going to let that one go <laughs> for today because I'm trying to Rise have impulse control. Okay. Okay? Okay. I know you're trying to round me up. This is what these girls don't understand, Mike, <laughs> is that, first of all, ladies, the premise of the show, which I know you probably just jumped onto like one episode, so you don't really know shit about it, <laughs> is that Michael does his best to try and rile me up. That is the point of the show, gals, chums, okay? If you don't like the show, eat shit and live. Back to you, Mike. In April 1975, Woodfield pled guilty to reduced charges of second-degree robbery. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison but was freed on parole in July 1979 after having served four years. Okay, I was going to say, was that like three and change? Pretty much. It didn't take long for things to ramp up, and by October 9th, 1980, Randall Woodfield committed his probably first murder. (laughs) Okay, probably. Sherry Lynn Ayers had known Woodfield since the second grade. No, man, come on. But that didn't stop Woodfield from raping and murdering her by bludgeoning and stabbing her repeatedly in her neck. Thank you. Her body wasn't discovered until October 11th by her fiancé. Imagine getting killed by someone that you've known since second grade. Second grade, yikes. This wasn't random. This wasn't like, hey, old friend. Right. During his four-year stint in prison, he and Ayers had written letters to each other. Oh, she's like supporting him while he's in the clink and then he goes and fucking kills her? Yeah, (gasps) rapes and kills her. Son of a bitch! Suspecting Woodfield's involvement, Ayers' family provided his name to law enforcement. Good! He was questioned, but refused to sit for a polygraph. Uh, Okay. Detectives described his answers as, quote, evasive and deceptive, but I can't explain... This part. Yeah. He wasn't charged because his blood type didn't match semen found on her body. I'm going to chalk that up to one of the tests being wrong. You think somebody just whiffed a test? I I mean, how else do you explain? Right. Right. I mean. Definitely, definitely did this. Right. And then. And then go, well, DNA is not there. But I mean, to be fair, Mike. And it was 1980. Right. The testing. I mean, to be fair, if they're relying on DNA and somebody whiffs a test and they do it and it comes back fault that it's not you. And let's say they used up all the DNA because back then they kind of were like, let's use all of it. Like, you know what I mean? So there's none left. Right. You're walking free, buddy. A month later on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, God. Woodfield went to North Portland to the home of... Darcy Renee Fix. To share a lovely meal of Thanksgiving and to give thanks for the things in his life that he's grateful for. She was 22. With the intention of assaulting her, Woodfield knew Fix because she was the ex of one of the few friends he had made in college. Come on, dude. Well, he really likes to keep his circle tight. Yeah. 
I'm going to let that one go. Mike. Douglas Keith Altig, who was 24, was at Fix's house when Woodfield arrived. Both Fix and Altig were subsequently bound and shot to death execution style. How, oh, how did he get? He got to... them both. Yeah. With, uh, well, Fix's 32 caliber revolver turned up missing. Okay. After that. All right. So. Due to his acquaintance with Fix, Woodfield was questioned about the murders, but law enforcement found no concrete evidence pointing to his involvement. Uh, I mean, maybe he went there to be like, yay, happy Thanksgiving, and he got them, like, super comfortable, found out, like, snooped around, found a weapon or something, and um, subdued them, right? It's That seems It's going to be a pattern. Feeling like he got away with killing Fix and Altig, Woodfield started wilding. <laughs> shit's about to pop off as we like to say on the show mike he went on a robbery spree throughout the pacific northwest okay like they needed more problems in 1980 yeah right on december 9th 1980 wearing a fake beard woodfield robbed a gas station at gunpoint in washington four days later he held up an ice cream shop (laughs) and the next night he robbed a drive-in restaurant both of those in oregon during one of these money can it a drive-in restaurant possibly have. Well, I think that's why he's robbing multiples. Yeah. He's getting away with like $35 each yeah. time. <laughs> it doesn't seem worth the risk, Mike. During one of these stick-ups, he had either tape or a Band-Aid over the bridge of his nose, like an athlete would wear yeah. those breathe strips. And that would be his kind of sometimes signature of, of these things. <laughs> why? Yeah. The wet bandits. Yeah. He's like, I'm the, I'm the nose strip guy. Yeah. Like what? Why? I think what? he thought he was doing it to disguise his nose, but then it became okay. But more then if you noticeable. always have yeah. it on, people are gonna go, "Oh no, I saw that guy. He had like a weird strip, a band aid or something, yeah. like a piece of tape on his nose." Like I didn't understand Which what was made going me on. Focused on his nose more than I would Which have. Which is so weird. He, and yeah. now I'm looking right at his face directly. Yeah. On December 21st, back in Washington, and again with the fake beard, he forced the waitress yeah. into the into the restaurant bathroom and held her at gunpoint and made her masturbate him. Ew. You yeah. can't just go... <clears throat> just do it yourself, man. Yeah. Yuck. Interstate 5 runs nearly parallel to the Pacific Ocean from Canada down to Mexico, going through Washington, Oregon, and California. So far... The locations Woodfield had struck with his robberies were all short distances from this main highway. Police started calling their suspect the I-5 Bandit, and on January 8, 1981, the I-5 Bandit returned to the same gas station in Washington and robbed it again. This time, he forced the female cashier to expose her breasts while she emptied the register. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, dude. Like... It's the steroids, though. It's... It's... You're already, you're already robbing the place. Yeah. This girl is already terrified. Yeah. Now you're making her think. Yeah. She's about yeah about to be very seriously violated. Yeah. And give her a break. Get, man. Get, like, give me a break, yeah. man. Like, come on. Take the money. It's not her Just money. Just take the money and yeah. go. I'd be like, you want all the money? Hey, you want some nacho? Uh, nacho? You want the yeah. giant pretzels from the machine? Yeah, I'll give you the key. You want? What do you want? Yeah. You want some Fanta? What do you want? Chips? I don't want any take, of that Nazi take, soda. Take, take, well, not you. But take take whatever you want. This yeah. isn't my convenience store. I don't give a shit. Right. Take everything. Fill yeah. up your car. Can you just leave me out of it? Yeah. I'm not even here. I'm not, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> January 11th, he robbed a market in Oregon. And the next day, he shot and wounded a female grocery clerk at a store also in Oregon. I wish he would pick on... Someone his own sex and size. The shooting seems to have marked a change in this rampage. Only two days later, a man that matched the description of the I-5 bandit, wearing a fake beard, broke into a home. How could they tell it was fake? Was it like the kind yeah. that has little hooks yeah. on your well, ears no, or like hooks, elastic or yeah. did he glue it on? It's like a Santa beard. Oh it wasn't God. a Santa beard, but like fake <laughs> Can enough. Can you imagine if it was though? Broke into the home where two sisters were home alone. Oh, come on. The girls were only no. 8 and 10. No, 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 no. He ordered the girls to undress and sexually assaulted no. them, forcing the older girl to perform fellatio. No. Four days later, in Salem, a man matching the same description entered an office building and sexually abused two women, Sherry Hall and Beth Wilmot, after which he killed Hall and wounded Wilmot, leaving her for dead. I just, no one could fight him and get some, something, like some, I just wish somebody could get something. 
Some on, evidence. I'll rip his hair out. Do something like just so we could get this guy. On January 26th and 29th, he traveled to southern Oregon and committed robberies in Eugene, Medford, and Grants Pass. At the last location, this two guy's busier than out. shit. Yeah, he's this is spree. This is like yeah. yeah. <clears throat> at the crazy. last location, two females, a clerk and a customer, were assaulted by the uh, person committing the robbery. Yeah. Jesus crow. On February 3rd, 1981, the bodies of Donna Eckerd, who was 37, and her 14-year-old daughter were found together in a bed in their home in Northern California. He's a, he's just going up and down, up the, and down the coast. Up and down the coast. Yeah. Yeah, the coast. Using the highway. Each had been shot several times in the head. Forensic tests showed that the girl had also been sexually assaulted. Oh, this guy is a real... The same day, in a nearby town, a female store clerk was kidnapped and raped in a holdup. An identical crime was reported in another nearby town on February 4th, with the same man robbing a motel back in Oregon later that same night. Is he not exhausted? (laughs) Holy crap! Yeah. This is a lot of work. Yeah. evading and all yeah. being sneaky and then having to go like psych yourself I, I mean does he have to psych himself up at this point or it's just like second nature like it just seems yeah. like any old thing this is my job you now. would think like you'd get that yeah. like nervousness and have to like you know but this guy's just on a rampage yeah five oh. days later in western Oregon a man matching the i5 bandits description held up a fabric store assaulting the clerk <laughs> not Joanne's Oh, my God. Assaulting the clerk and a customer before he left. On February 12th, 1981, robberies committed by a man matching the I-5 bandit's description occurred in Vancouver, Olympia, and Bellevue, Washington. The Olympia and Bellevue incidents also included three sexual assaults. Was he even... Was he just speeding up the coast? Yep. Up and down. Just back and forth. My God. Okay. This is weird. Well, but back when isn't... you could afford gas, Mike. I mean, <laughs> right? You know, who goes gas twenty five cents a gallon or some shit? And you got your green stamps, by the way. <laughs> yep. For anybody who's too young, oh my god. For anybody Which I who's am, too... but I know what they. <laughs> Excuse me. When you used to go to the gas station, so if anybody's ever seen Grease two, <laughs> there's a little scene about that. But are you excited for the uh, prequel series Rise of the Pink Ladies coming soon to Peacock? Sure, I'm not. No, I haven't even heard of it and don't want to hear about it. Uh, no, no, thank you. But you'd go get gas, and depending on how much you know gas you put in, you'd get what were called green stamps. And they were literally these little sheets of stamps that you would, they give you a book, and X amount of stamps equaled X amount of points, and for so many points, you could get things in the book. Yep. Maybe you wanted a lawnmower. It might cost you 35,000 <laughs> green stamps, you know. But depending on, I think you would, don't, don't quote <laughs> me on this. But you might have also got them at the grocery store. I think you could like combine, if I'm not mistaken. So depending on like how much you spend, mm. you know, you get the green stamps, you save up, you send away for whatever the frig in the book. Yep. And then you get like a, you know, a return for your money. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're spending money, you're getting something, you know, whatever. But they don't do that anymore. Government-sponsored uh, rewards program. Right. And we can barely afford gas now. So, I mean, if you're going to be a serial killer now, just don't even bother. It's right. too expensive on a base level. Right. That's why, like, you have to... Never mind. <laughs> Mike, don't okay. give tips and tricks on how to be a serial killer, please, on the show. <laughs> okay. This is weird, but it isn't the weirdest part of this story. <sighs> keep that in mind oh as I Oh, my God. Woodfield was planning to visit Portland and decided he wanted to throw a Valentine's Day party at the downtown Marriott. <laughs> hey, my dad met my mom at the Marriott on New Year's Eve. And then my mom got pregnant with me that night. Hey, shout out to Donna. He invited friends and people he knew from college. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Everybody in college, mm, they might think you're a little bit weird. No one showed up. Yeah, of course, because he's a weirdo. Woodfield then drove to the home of 18-year-old Julie Wrights whom he had met while working as a bouncer at a local bar called The Faucet. Okay, for... Ugh. Yeah, I'm gonna go drink out of the faucet. Look, uh, but also you don't want this guy working as a bouncer. <laughs> My God, he can't control his impulses. Yeah, gonna start cracking heads for no reason. He's already cracking heads for no reason. <laughs> yeah, he arrived at her home around 2 a.m. on February 15th. Don't let anyone in if they come to your house at that time unannounced. Around 4 a.m., he raped and then shot her in the head, killing her. Police investigating the scene determined that Wrights had had a glass of wine with Woodfield 
and had also begun to prepare coffee. A package of instant coffee was discovered on the kitchen counter, and water in a kettle had been boiled She's literally away. like, hey, what's up? Welcoming yeah. him into her home, being yep. a hostess. Yep. And then he goes and does that. Yep. Poor impulse control. By the end of February 1981, police were focusing the I-5 investigation into Woodfield specifically. But after the murder of Julie Wrights, he had struck three more times, committing robberies on February 18th and 21st, and another sexual assault on February 25th. This guy! Yeah. <laughs> Detectives put together a call log showing Woodfield had placed when calls... When does he sleep? <laughs> Probably on the side of the road in the car. Maybe. I mean, he's just taking all the amphetamines like uh, old Larry Greco. Yeah. Detectives put together a call log showing Woodfield had placed calls via calling cards at pay phones near the murder sites around the times they were committed. So he's just, you know, checking in on people from all his different murder sites. Okay. On March 5th, Woodfield was brought into the Salem police station for an interrogation, and one of the victims positively ID'd him from a photo lineup. Okay, good. Police then got a warrant to search Woodfield's apartment and found a spent 32 caliber shell as well as a roll of tape that matched the tape used to bind the victims. Perfect. He was officially arrested on March 7th after several more positive IDs from previous victims from all over Oregon. Okay, good. Yes, okay. Indictments for murder, rape, sodomy, attempted kidnapping, armed robbery, and illegal possession of firearms are issued in multiple jurisdictions across Oregon and Washington. Fantastic. Why do I feel (laughs) this is going too well? Right now. In the summer of 1981, Woodfield was tried in Salem for murder, as well as charges of sodomy and attempted murder. The attempted murder victim testified against Woodfield in the trial and was obviously key in the prosecution's conviction. Okay. Chris Van Dyke, son of Dick Van Dyke. No. Was the Marion County I was going to make a joke and say, no relation to Dick Van Dyke, like we usually do, and then you go, no, no relation. Yeah. No, his actual son. actual son. Yeah. Okay was the county DA at the time who prosecuted successfully the case. Van Dyke would later describe Woodfield as, quote, the coldest, most detached defendant I've ever seen. Well, he's done like a thousand crimes. Yeah. On June 26, 1981, after three and a half hours of deliberation, Woodfield was convicted on all counts and sentenced to life in prison plus 90 years. Bye. Bye, in, you deserve it. In October 1981, a second trial was held in Benton County, Oregon, in which Woodfield received sodomy and weapons charges tied to one of the attacks in a restaurant bathroom. A bathroom in the... Oh, my God. Yeah, he dragged that waitress oh into, the, into the bathroom, yeah. Prior to this trial, Woodfield's counsel attempted to move uh, the venue from the Willamette Valley. He felt that, owing to the publicity of the case, Woodfield <laughs> would not get a fair trial. Right, like the Murdick. Judge denied, Murdick. Yeah, the judge denied the request. Denied. Along with no a request... Stairway. Denied. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so he denied change of venue as well as the request, which this is another really bizarre thing, uh, to hypnotize a prosecution witness in an effort to determine if that witness had been influenced by the media coverage. That's not that's not a thing. The judge said you can't do that. OK, I was going to because that's not a thing. Michael. Yeah. Woodfield was convicted by that jury. And had an additional 35 years added to his already initiated sentence. Life and plus 90, yeah. right? Plus yeah. whatever. Plus, plus now 35. 30, yeah. five, so. Even though Woodfield was suspected in many more robberies, rapes, and murders, Oregon couldn't afford to put on multiple trials and claim satisfaction with the life sentence he was already serving. Yeah, because what's the point of going, you have 16 life sentences, sir. We're going to put the yeah. courts and all these people, so we can spend all this money and do 16 trials. Now you can't possibly serve that time anyway. Right. The only problem is justice for Woodfield's other victims because he isn't talking. And without the state taking action, the families will just be left to wonder. Right. And plus, I mean, he's got no incentive. I mean, it's not like they go, hey, buddy, if you just say that you did all these. Right. We won't, like, technically add time to your sentence, but you'll just, you know, be charged with it, whatever. But he's not going to go, okay. Right. At this point, there's no incentive, so who cares? Right. But you would think also... There's no incentive, so who cares? You're getting it, you're getting it. You might as well claim them, I guess, right? Well, it's whatever the psychology of what he was doing I mean, and why I, he was doing yeah. it, I guess. 
Woodfield is serving his sentences at the Oregon State Penitentiary in Salem to this day. Mm. In October 1983, he was injured by a fellow inmate, just in a sucks, scuffle. Sucks, sucks, sucks. In April 1987, mm-hmm. he filed a $12 million libel suit. Oh, for what? Against Ann Rule, but the federal court in Oregon dismissed the lawsuit. Because she wrote a book about his crimes? Yeah. Okay, he didn't, he didn't, because he didn't want to give her permission, or she doesn't need permission though, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the... I mean, I could write a book about you, right? I mean, I yeah. guess if, unless it's slanderous. As long as and, you say that it's, you know, unauthorized or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what if I tell, you know, lies? I guess you could sue me for slander, but yeah. if it's true. Right. Um, but rather than say that, like, the burden of proof was on him to say that these were like, mm. ac- false accusations or whatever, they just dismissed it, <laughs> saying that the statute of limitations for such a lawsuit had already expired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well... Sorry, Charlie, but you've missed the deadline. Yeah. By 1990, after the discovery of more victims, Woodfield was suspected in as many as 44 homicides. Oh, my goodness. And probably most of those also sex assaults. I would would have to imagine, yeah. Yeah. You said 44? 44. Murders? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. That's outrageous. That's a lot of murders. Yeah. Crap. Okay. That's like... Oh my god! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's the thing that what was that in, in the Nova Scotia? What did he kill? He's like it was like twenty twenty two or yep. something. That's double. Yep. That guy was <laughs> that guy was wiling out. Yep. And this guy was like, oh, I'll double that. Yep. Cool. In two thousand one and two thousand six, DNA testing positively linked Woodfield to two additional murders in Oregon that occurred between eighty and eighty one. Yeah. During his time in the penitentiary. Woodfield has married three times and divorced twice. Who's marrying this guy? Better question. Why what are they is allowing... the, What is the deal breaker that goes for the divorce? Yeah, you've already married a convicted a rapist yeah. and murderer. Like, what? What does he have to do to disappoint you? To the point of where divorce. you're like, that's it. I've had it. Yeah. Pro- <laughs> I found out you, you... I saw someone else's name on your visitor's log? Like... Yeah. What can I, I don't. What the yeah. fuck? But it happened and then, twice. So, twice. And then married again. Who's marrying this guy? I don't know. Speaking of these people, yeah. well, let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, Brian Kohlberger. Oh, yeah. The kid who pretty much, I think we're all convinced, murdered those four Idaho students. Yeah. Now has like a weird fan base. But. Online, like saying justice for Brian, he's not innocent. He didn't do it. He's so handsome. Can can cool. we talk about the fact that I sent you a photo of him? Yeah, <clears throat> where he looks crazed. Yeah, where he looks really like you don't want to meet him in an alley. Maybe. And then I and then we of course because we text a hundred thousand times a day. Yeah. So I texted you a bunch of times, and then I was trying to find something else I sent you, and I was scrolling up, <laughs> and I forgot <laughs> that I sent you the picture. And when I scrolled and it came down, I actually out loud went, oh, <laughs> because that's how scary he looks. And yeah. these girls are making memes with, like, hearts around his head and shit. I don't know. What is wrong with you people? Maybe it's incels doing And I said you people. Yes. What is wrong <laughs> with you group of people that has this weird fascination with killers? Maybe it's incels trying to lower beauty standards in men by don't, tricking people don't. into thinking. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, Michael. Did you not get enough sleep last night or something? What's going Some on? Some letters he wrote from prison were mm. sold online as a collection titled The Serial Killer Letters. No. Why are you making money from this? Like, you shouldn't be able to make money from this stuff. He wasn't. Who? Then who is? The, just the publisher. How'd yeah. they get their hands on the letters, in though? In one of these letters, well, the... It was with a journalist. In okay. one of these letters, he wrote to journalist Jennifer Furio. This is all from him. You only care to know why murderers strike out in anger or rage? How should I know? What a question, Jenny. Care to write more personally? Share a photo? Talk once by phone? Your choice. No, I don't Ciao, share a Randall photo Woodfield. So that you can whack off to yeah. it in jail. And then he Just signed it, Chow. Exposing yourself. Don't say Chow. That's how he signed it. Chow, <sighs> okay. Randall Woodfield. Okay, Woodfield. Yeah, Arriva Darchi, Woodfield. Okay. One thing that jumps out at me is that the car. One thing? Well, the car that Woodfield used on his crime spree. 
<laughs> okay. Nobody tells Ted Bundy. No. Because Woodfield traversed the I-5 in his 1974 Champagne Edition Gold Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, boy. Jim Lawrence, a detective for Portland's Cold Case Unit, noted Woodfield's lack of remorse or responsibility in his crime, saying, quote, If you're talking about somebody moving towards some form of rehabilitation, they had to at some point <laughs> acknowledge they are responsible for their own behaviors. Right. That is not Randy Woodfield. Right, right. Lawrence also noted Woodfield's egotism during his early interrogations. Well, yes. Another quote. When he was interviewed, he'd tell detectives that he'd never rape a girl. He said he didn't have to. They wanted him. Okay, sound sir. Familiar? Oh, that familiar? okay, Andrew Tate. Okay, sir. Yeah. Calm the fuck down. But here's the thing. He wrote to the journalist. Yeah. Why are you asking me why people kill in anger or rage? Yeah. How should I know? Yeah. So he's literally he likes it. Yeah. just, he's yeah. not angry about anything. He's right. not enraged. He's yeah. not in a frenzy. He's not in a, a crime of passion. He he's just like fucking just likes it. Or like yeah. just doesn't care one way or the other, but he's not mad or anything. He's just, right. maybe he's really very chipper. Who yeah. knows? Don't ask me, yeah. lady. Like, how about we get down to business? How about you send me a yeah. photo? Maybe right. I can hear your voice. Uh, I don't think so, Creepo. Yeah. Creepmaster 5000. <laughs> Creep no, thank Master you. Creepmaster General. Creepmaster General. Anne Rule suggested that rejection... <laughs> Creepmaster General. <laughs> Anne Rule suggested that rejection and feelings of inadequacy were factors that drove from the violence. Oh, sorry. I had a little... Particularly against women. <laughs> bit, a bit of an allergy, Mike. She also characterized Whitfield as a smooth ladies' man no. whose good looks and disposition no. aided his ability to trap victims. No. Every time they say that these guys are good looking, like people think Ted Bundy's good looking. No, the fuck he's not. No, he's fucking not. No, he's fucking not. Right. Charles Mitten, no, he's fucking, no, <laughs> no, he's not. Night Stalker, mm. oh, no, the fuck he's not. At BTK, mm, uh, uh, nope, none of these. Brian Coburg, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. Chris Watts, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But he's not a serial killer. He's a but family annihilator. he's just a family annihilator. Yeah. Still a murderer. Yeah. But these serial killers don't come at me and tell me that they're they're suave, uh, charming, they have a joie de vivre, Mike. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they do not. Albert Fish, he was a looker. Oh, my God. He looks like Nosferatu. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody's making beans with little hearts around his fucking head. He looks like a skeleton with a beard. He does. Yeah. Ugh. You know, Disgusting. I hate scarecrows. Yeah. I see scarecrows are on my list. Ugh. Unlike many serial killers, whose killing patterns are characterized by intervals of cooling off periods. Yeah, this guy was just hot to trot. Yeah, Woodfield's murders and other crimes escalated rapidly, increasing in successive frequency. (sighs) For someone with a potential tally of victims that is so large, the main window of these crimes and the subsequent investigation that led to his arrest were relatively quick. This guy was clearly a danger and would have been, without a doubt, the worst serial killer in U.S. history. So let me ask you this, and I don't know why this just popped in my head, and I know that you probably know because you're super smart um, and very good at the podcast, according to these women on the internet. Very good. Moving Um, on. How many victims did HHH have? Because that, to me, seems like he must have like a hundred or something because he was just... Murking people fucking left and right, leaving yeah. them inside walls and shit, bricking them up, letting them die I in mean, the air and stuff. Burning them. Yeah. It will all, I mean, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And I don't know why that He was in, in technically triple figures, but he's not considered the same way because he was using, he was jigsawing. <laughs> he was using traps and like not doing uh, it himself. Yeah, but I mean, you don't think that that counts? It definitely counts, but it also has the misfortune of happening in 1888. Uh, during the World's Fair because it doesn't happen in that quote-unquote golden age window where he would have been in conversation with Green River Mm -hmm. and uh, Henry Lee Lucas and which... I don't believe... Henry Lee Lucas I don't believe those either. Mm -hmm. Do I believe he killed a handful? I'm sure. Yes. And I'm sure he knows pretty much what happened in all of the other situations because just in that lifestyle group of people kind of mm. you know drifter culture where that shit <laughs> birds happens. of a feather they but flock together michael yeah. but i don't think he's uh no i don't i, I don't either. think he's up there this guy would be bigger than bundy obviously bigger than gacy bigger yeah. he he's not talking though so we're never probably at this point never going to know definitively um where he ranks but that was the story of randall woodfield the i-5 killer Jesus cripes, you know? Yeah. 
Jesus Christ, I'm a cracker. Oh, God, I don't want to offend anyone out there. Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought Jesus Christ was a cracker. Jesus Christ was a... You know, I just don't... Hey, they also don't like my little digressions, but fuck you, here we go. Um, I just told a story to the people at work that when I made my communion in the second grade, because we were talking about miserable photos as a kid, and my boss showed me a picture of himself, and he said, look, even as a kid, I had that miserable face, and I started laughing. I said, I have a picture of me dressed in what looks like a wedding gown because your communion you know you're like you're you're marrying yourself to christ basically until you marry your husband pretty much which is gross in itself so i had like this white frilly dress i had a fucking veil the the tights the only thing i loved right because i was kind of a tomboy started to be a tomboy around that age i had these pat white patent leather shoes i thought i was so cool because they didn't have a heel but yeah. they had like that little rubber heel, yeah. which made me like a quarter, like, you know uh-huh. what I mean? It's got that little heel, like any shoe. Yeah. But for some reason, I thought like it was so, fa- I thought they were like fancy dress, like shoes, whatever. <laughs> You're just sashaying. I was, them. oh, I loved it. But I have this one picture and they're like, come on, we want to take a picture of you. And I'm standing there with my head cocked to the side, so miserable with this look <laughs> on my face. But when we went to communion, the girl who sat next to me in the pew, right? Yeah. Her name was Deanna Oster. I'll never forget this. She didn't like the taste of the host. So you're saying Jesus was the cracker, right? She didn't like the taste of it. So we went up for communion. We come back to the pew. By the time we got back to the pew, she still was like, had it in her mouth. She hated the taste so much. She threw up on my patent leather shoes. no. Oh my God. (laughs) I know. So I just literally told that story like, two days ago to the people at work but when you said isn't isn't jesus the cracker i was like oh have to go down this tangent ladies sorry about that tune in next time maybe maybe i'll uh just let michael do it by himself who knows maybe That'll him and never, maybe ever him ever and joni boney maroney no you think joan will ever come out of the booth michael uh again being as she's fake no <laughs> so i guess you're doing it alone next time that's never gonna happen Aww. subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to make sure that we come back. Don't subscribe to shit. (laughs) Just in case, you know, if she leaves me, it's not happening. So I'd never leave you. But more importantly, ladies, Michael would never leave me. That's true. Because we're a team, baby. We come, uh, we go hand in hand. We're like peanut butter jelly. There you go. (laughs) We're like bees and pollen, Michael. (laughs) You know? We're like serial killers and victims, (laughs) I guess. Are we that? I think we Intertwined? know. I think we know which is which in this scenario. Do we? I think it flu- does it fluctuate. Maybe nah. that's what makes it work. <laughs> well, that's what makes it. Yeah, we take turns, yeah. man. That's it. Anyway, guys, you can uh, also follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. at MAF Podcast Show. Mm-hmm. Email us MAF Podcast Show mm-hmm. at gmail mm-hmm. If you want to tell us how much you love Mike or how much you hate me, that's fine. I love and it. I love it. You know why, Michael? Why? No publicity. The publicity, okay. baby. There you go. <laughs> And until next time, everybody. Until next time, everyone. And I mean everyone. (laughs) We love you. Thank you for the support. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.